Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel. This is the Let's Appreciate podcast. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Tate economy this week. There's a lot of really good pieces out there right now about what happened with SVB, the repercussions it will have for that, the financial system operates, the discussions of borrowing short to lend long, and then the VCs on Twitter being like banking as a fraud, the Fed's response, etc. I've been taking notes in my Notion document that I will link in the show notes that will serve as a decent walkthrough for what's gone down. I've also done two YouTubes and podcasts that I'll also link in a skit, but I wanted to reserve space in this specific podcast episode for talking about what happened. Not really what went down. The links in my Notion document should be f- more than enough to understand, but the more visceral, emotional toll that stuff like this can take on us, you know, we're all these really funny little economic entities that are wandering around and we're all people and we're all bearing witness to some pretty gnarly and very confusing stuff right now. So I want to first talk about doomerism and then address haunted houses. But first off, I want to say if you're confused and you feel like you shouldn't be confused, no. Like, you're allowed to be confused. The stuff is big and it's confusing and it's scary. And I think that's the hard part about the doomers because, like, one thing that has been really startling, although it really shouldn't have been, was the number of very hot takes on things going on. In fact, some of the very hot takes arguably led to the bank run that happened on Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, in you know the, the human emotion is is beautiful because there's this concept from Oscar Wilde that most people are other people right so we're the scrapbooks of those around us and parts of us will always be engraved by those that we've spoken to when really bad things happen it makes sense that as communal creatures we would seek each other out I don't even think that we realize that we're doing it sometimes it's this subconscious search for connection and a time of deep fear but of course. Some people try to benefit from that. They post doomer porn proclaiming that the world ended yesterday and if you subscribe to their newsletter, you will be one of the saved. Just subscribe today and that sucks. When things are confusing, it's very easy to make more smoke than to simply clear the air. This is what we might call the take economy, when opinions become assets collateralized by volume and traded openly and aggressively. There's a lot to unpack with the all caps tweeting crowd, specifically through the lens of language, because number one, you know, digital language and digital bank runs and social media risk is just a whole new thing to account for. Number two, I think a big thing that people ended up wanting during a time of crisis like we just experienced, is somebody telling them how to feel or that their feelings are okay. Like, how bad is this seemingly really bad thing going to be? Is it really build a bunker and grab the Cheerios bad, or are things going to be all right? And unfortunately, we run into two problems here. Number one, people will tell you how to feel, but they're usually trying to sell you something or sell something from beneath you. And then number two, people will try to hit the panic button and cause pandemonium because that is unfortunately a profit-seeking opportunity. And then, of course, how we actually convey things is incredibly difficult and ripe for bad actors. Language is strife with misunderstanding and mishearing and misjokes and broken threads. And I actually wrote about this a few months ago, just talking about language, because language is this really beautiful thing that is often totally misconstrued and fragmented and can lead to things being more confusing than they need to be. We saw this with SVB, and we're seeing it still. People are taking advantage of the gaps in knowledge, inserting their own words, and addressing that as a fundamental truth. Everyone has to have a take on everything all the time. The stock market is essentially monetized opinions, right? So we all like being right. What if it means that we need to mold the narrative to fit what we're trying to say? So what if we're lying? So what if we mislead thousands of people? So what? And this is all objectively bad for a myriad of reasons. 
truth is already hard to come by. As Ludwig Furbach, sorry if I butchered his name, once wrote, but certainly for the present age, which prefers the sign to the thing signified, the copy to the original, representation to reality, the appearance to the essence. Illusion only is sacred, truth profane. Nay, sacredness is held to be enhanced in proportion as truth decreases and illusion increases, so that the highest degree of illusion comes to be the highest degree of sacredness. Like, there isn't a fundamental capital T truth for a lot of the stuff that happened. There's a lot of nuance. For Silicon Valley Bank, it was the VCs, it was the lack of hedging, it was the Federal Reserve, it was their customer base, etc, etc, etc. To try and pull on one of the threads requires looking at the entire sweater of circumstance. But there's money to be made in spinning one of the threads and pulling it on it so the whole thing frays. There's a lot of that out there right now. The take economy unfortunately awards those that scream fire in the crowded theater. In a world driven by illusion, it's much easier to mold a subjective truth to whatever version of reality you want to inhabit versus actually helping others understand what is happening. I don't have any words of wisdom beyond be careful out there. And language can also be used as a tool to disconnect us, but it's also what brings us together. The reason that Coraline by Neil Gaiman is so scary is because Coraline doesn't go into any random house in her story. She goes to a copy of her own house with people who look like her parents called other mother and other father. She is living a nightmare in the backdrop of everything that she knows. And the reason that that is terrifying is because a home is theoretically supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be a place of comfort and warmth most of the time stable. What happens when it becomes haunted? That concept, something that was meant to be stable and good and okay and ends up being this haunted and broken thing, it's kind of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. And to be clear, banks fail all the time. Like 563 bank failures happened from 2001 through 2023. But it's supposed to be this money house, this place of guaranteed safety against the world. But of course, nothing can be for always. So when bad things happen, we use our limited tools of language to try and fix everything, which is hard. There are so many miscommunications that thread into our world because we can never really say what we mean, right? And there's this like fundamental loneliness to that. It's something that we all carry as we watch the world kiss the flames in front of us for the nth time in so many years. And how do we even begin to talk about what we're feeling. How do we talk about feelings when the stock market is a thing that nobody's supposed to have feelings about? How do we begin to address the frustration that comes from these things that just keep on happening? From the policy response, which is quick and sometimes measured and sometimes not. From the yells of those with misaligned incentives. From the endless news articles. From the market volatility. From the blur of pixels on the screen as you try to piece together once again what is happening and what it means and why, 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 why. We, when we live in a state of panic, we end up losing in connection to most things, including our own body. It has trouble telling us to get to safety or warn us of something happening. We end up feeling removed from ourselves, and it is hard to brandish that sword every single day. And when you sit down and talk with people, like really, really talk to them, right? You begin to realize that everybody is carrying this sword. The one thing that unites us is our constant defense, the pain that we weaponize to protect ourselves. We all have it. This is not a novel or new or unique revelation, but it's a good reminder. You know, sad things can't always be explained. As Paul Astor wrote, Impossible, I realized, enter another solitude. If it is true that we can ever come to know another human being, even to a small degree, it is only to the extent that he is willing to make himself known. A man will say, I am cold, or else he will say nothing and we will see him shivering. Either way, we will know that he is cold. But what of the man who says nothing and does not shiver? Where all is intractable, here is all is hermetic and evasive. One can do no more than observe. But whether one can make sense of what he observes is another matter entirely. Going back to the haunted house, we all carry so many rooms, so many spaces within us. 
Some of the rooms are dark. Some of the rooms have beautiful windows decorated with memories and reminders. Hallways littered with photographs with trinkets with invisible footprints, each a reminder of I am here. As Muriel over Kaiser wrote, say it, say it, the universe is made of stories, not of atoms. I don't know, these things are scary. They're big and it's important to be there for each other and not scream loudly in the search of a few extra dollars of profit. And you know, language shapes our reality for better or worse. It's reflective. It is the world that we all wade into. The trees shaped by words, the lakes a pool of paragraphs. Language is also how we see each other, how we learn of each other's pain and vulnerabilities. For as much as it breaks us, it can also connect us. Thanks for listening. I hope you're doing okay out there and I'll talk to you very soon. Bye.